Welcome, welcome, welcome to Nodes in the Net, a weekly tangential irreverent conversation that caters to the interests of liminal trickster mystics like you. And like Noah Lampert. Uh, <laughs> Noah freaking Lampert is on the podcast this week, who uh, you've probably heard all over the place. And you may have heard him even on his own podcast, Synchronicity with Noah Lampert. Uh, you can find Noah at syncpodcast.com or at patreon.com slash synchronicity. And you can find those links at creekmasons.substack.com, which is the new home of the Nodes in the Net podcast. I'm still posting things on creekmasons.com just because it's a little bit easier to find with Google. But, you know, why not double up? So Noah's got a lot of great things going on on Patreon. You should definitely check it out. And we had a fantastic conversation, I thought. I probably should have uh, followed his lead a little bit more, but I was just so fucking excited (laughs) to have Noah on that I kind of ran around my mental room uh, grabbing all the little toys that were laying on the floor and bringing them to him and saying, look at this, look at this cute little idea. Uh, but, you know, Noah Noah made some really great points about getting into flow, overcoming depression, and uh, just generally being one of the preeminent world-class new thought practitioners. It's a great episode and you're definitely going to love it. And uh, before we get started, I do want to read a little bit of the most recent essay at creekmasons.substack.com. This one is about depression, uh, which I think is the time of year we're in. I don't know what the fuck is going on. A friend of mine uh, on the Creekmason server mentioned that this is considered the saddest time of the year because it's around the time that the Temple of Solomon was destroyed. Uh, So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's... I don't know, astrological energy or any number of things, but everybody seems to be a little bit down in the dumps right now, and I am not immune to that. Just to record this podcast intro, I had to drink several thousand milligrams of caffeine, and the cost will be a ton of anxiety later, but at least for now, I'm able to string together a coherent sentence and get out of my fucking bed. So, uh, let's read uh, some of that essay on depression from the Creek Masons blog, and you can head over there and subscribe if you want to read the full thing. This essay is called Too Overwhelmed to Move. Maybe our depression has something to do with the dreary, over-industrialized dystopia steadily draining us. Maybe Aleister Crowley was right, and masturbation can be used to cast spells. If so, what spells are we casting through the mental and literal masturbation we do while staring at our phones? Do these symbols of impressive yet misdirected tech bro futurism collect our spunk like thirsty sigils and use it to fuel the murder machine? Who knows? I feel like the wing-nuttiest anchor ever. More at 11. Let's set metaphorical wackadoo conspiracy theories about the occult and socioeconomic origins of depression aside. When I find myself in the paralytic bad place, a major lesson I always relearn is around my need to shrink my bubble of exertion and concern to the size of the energy reserves that are all the depression allows me. When I'm expansively manic, I have all the energy I need to fuel messiah fantasies. I'll save all beings from the degrading doom we're on track for. When I have less energy, I can save fewer beings. Sometimes all I have energy for is my coworkers or friends. 
I've been told I'm a good listener. I can play therapist. I can help people sort through their drama, through their trauma. I can help them pick up the pieces and do better tomorrow. Sometimes all I have in my tank is enough energy to be a present, engaged dad and husband. Maybe the only thing I can fit in my bubble and nourish adequately is my own family. There's times, though, I don't even have that available to me. Times I have to focus purely on self-care. Put my own oxygen mask on first. Recharging my battery by listening to Kirtan while doing Wim Hof exercises is definitely something that helps, but sometimes I don't even have the energy for that. In my darkest moments, I barely have the oomph to reposition my body on the couch so that I'm not scrunchled uncomf. Sometimes, the best I can do is make sure I'm not presently experiencing physical pain. It's easy to overlook when the emotional pain is so overwhelming, but that gnawing hunger or prickly thirst never does my bounce back any favors. At these times, my bubble is so small, I'm little more than a houseplant. But recuperation is vital. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Noah Lampert, thank you for becoming a node in the net. <laughs> My pleasure, dude. Yeah, I, I really I appreciate having you on. I, I want to like kind of just jump right into it. I, sure. uh, I was going to draw a tarot card for the cool. episode to see kind of like what our emotional, psychological, ideological backbone is. Do and you that's do reversals? Fun. Uh, I, I I do both uh, for the nodes episodes. I do both the reversal cool. characteristics and the regular characteristics just to get awesome. lots of, uh, lots of, I guess, territory for us to cover. Cool. And funnily enough, the card we picked was the lovers, which is oh. what I've got on the. Yeah, on the I have, uh, I have the moon in, in front of me here in my studio. I have a lovers one, but it's upstairs in my bedroom. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. A, g- a good place for the, the lovers. Obviously. Yeah, right. It's a it's a uh, an auspicious card, I would say. I mean, like the the typical characteristics. You read tarot too, right? Maybe I do. I'll... I do. I read tarot. Um, I do it professionally and for myself. I've been doing it for about four years now. Um, I love it. I find it to be one of the most insightful and helpful tools for kind of like getting to your subconscious and other, uh, you know, kind of uh, tricky places to reach through just the conscious mind yeah it's it does it seems it seems to uh it seems to draw on the things that your your like your eyes your senses are picking up all the time yeah and that you are habituated to like your conscious mind has decided this isn't something that is going to benefit my survival or my yes. ability to pass down my genes or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, but your subconscious is keeping track of it anyway and making it's those doing connections. It. It's generating yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so the lovers, uh, you know, it's for the listeners, it's two, you know, naked people kind of Adam and Eve vibes. 
looking up, I believe it, the uh, Archangel Gabriel, uh, you yep. know, descending from the cl- clouds. And, uh, you know, Eve is next to a probably an apple tree with a serpent on it. You can guess what that might signify. And Adam is in front of a, a tree that's on fire. Uh, and there's there's like a you know a large ma- mountain in the background, and my understanding I'm curious to hear what this brings up for you because I kind of like to use this as like the foundation for improv of a conversation. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, for the lovers, I mean, it's like it's partnership, collaboration, um, like mutual understanding, mutual attraction, mutual respect. Um, I'm having trouble. I'm blanking on the reversals, but uh, but that's that's what definitely those are those are the primary things that I think of when this comes up in a reading. Totally, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I uh, I tend to look at the lovers as kind of like the cosmic union of the divine masculine and the divine feminine, just kind of from like a meta level. So we look at like the qualities that each of those energies personifies or just kind of represents and when they are fully balanced and do come together in union you get that kind of divine holistic all is one energy which is what i think most people are striving for whether that's the union of your conscious or subconscious or like i said masculine or feminine principles it's like when those are in harmony and I don't usually use the word balance. It can be balanced, but harmony I like better because mm. um, it's not necessarily equal proportions of each. It's not like 50-50. It could be 80-20, yeah. but whatever the right kind of alchemy is for you as an individual, um, that's where like the magic stuff happens. That's where like the synchronicities happen. And mm. of course, synchronicities are, are right, as Jung would say, an ever-present reality, but you need to have eyes to be able to see them. And I think when you are balanced and that, that lover's energy comes through, that's when we have access to a lot of that otherwise hidden, mysterious, mystical information um, or energy. And yeah, it's a wonderful thing. And then of course, I mean, I think just from the base level, I think it also has to do with, you know, lovers, two people Mm. coming into union, two or more, I guess, um, coming (laughs) into union with each other. And the magic that can happen from there is also profound and really useful on any path you may be on. So yeah, it's one of my favorite cards of all time. I mean, it's never a bad thing (laughs) when the lovers comes up. Yeah, it's right. It's never a bad thing. You know, it's a synchronicity in itself that you uh, that you took it in that balanced direction for me. Um, one of the things that I was like excited to talk to you about, I'm I'm diagnosed bipolar, hmm. um, and I've been thinking a lot lately about. Uh, have you read the Cabalian? Yeah, I've read parts of it. I haven't read it like front to back though. Yeah, I'll, as a refresher, I guess the uh, the concepts of like polarity and rhythm. Uh, I think apply super strongly uh, to everything you just said and to like my bipolar disorder where like rhythm compensates. If I'm super high today, which I probably will be after (laughs) getting to talk to you, I'll probably be super low tomorrow. And, um, and that's a polarity, like anywhere on that spectrum is really the same thing. It's just different, uh, I guess, like levels of gradient of it. Totally. Um, I mean, 
Yeah. And I mean, as someone who at one point was diagnosed as bipolar um, myself back in 2003, mm. which I had my first kind of major very, I was the type of bipolar at the time. I use quotation marks there, air quotes, just because bipolar is a tricky thing, right? It's, it's, a, it's a variety of symptoms that are clinically observed and then applied to a person depending on what experiences and situations and behavior they're exhibiting. And then you get classified as label as bipolar one, bipolar two. Um, and for me, I think a lot of times bipolar gets kind of, we misdiagnose often spiritual stuff, whether you want to call it an awakening mm. or a pivoting or whatever it is. Um, and this isn't to deny the reality for people who accept bipolar. I mean, I was on lithium for, for geez, like all, six years, something like that, like a, yeah. not an insubstantial amount of time. And for me at a certain point, I was like, you know, is this like acting as a placebo that I feel like mm. stabilizes me chemically or Right. Is this something that's truly like making me feel stable? And if I go off it, maybe I will start feeling, you know, manic again, which is manic is a, a very profound state for people who haven't experienced true mania for a prolonged <laughs> period of time. Uh, there's a reason people don't want to come down, right? And I feel like yeah. Kanye West has kind of become like the spirit, spirit animal for people who are bipolar. Like everyone <laughs> who's going through a manic state immediately loves Kanye and his music is the most <laughs> profound shit you've ever heard. Like, I know it's like a universal like call. He's like the siren for bipolar people. But, um, you know, for me, when I got off of lithium, like I made the conscious decision. I didn't just like decide to get off and stop taking it. I went to a psychiatrist at the time and met with my family. I was just like, listen, I, I want to try to stop taking this because I think mm. I can stabilize without it. And what I found is, yeah, I think that's just who I am. I don't think that I, I may have more of a tendency to go very high and then conversely go very low. But as, mm. long, as long as I'm bringing awareness to where I am at any point in that and recognizing maybe where I'm losing touch with what I would call consensus reality. So if no one yeah. else is sharing your perspective and you're unable to communicate it effectively where people can kind of understand where you're coming from, it means you're just not believing your story of stability. Because what I've learned about reality is what will be reflected back to you is what you truly believe. So if mm. there's a part of you that thinks like, you know what, I'm, I may be off my fucking rocker. I think I may be just misappropriating things, even if it's a sliver. And most of the time you feel like, no, I'm, I'm God. This is amazing. I'm divine. You will start getting the feedback externally from loved ones, peers, social groups, people on the internet, whatever it is. Um, so I just tend to try to use those things as reference points. So mm. I don't get to a point where I'm completely gone or I'm completely depressed. And it is like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Like, I mean, I'm a firm believer in astrology. If that's an energy you believe in, mm -hmm. I use tarot and other divine arts to, you know, get some, get some insight into myself and the world around me. But, um, you know, I, I do believe psychosis is often kind of misdiagnosed as some problem, yeah. Uh, I think it only becomes a problem if it really starts affecting the quality of your life and if you're doing harm to yourself or other people. And that's right. not just physical, but emotional, psychological. If you're scaring people, um, that's a time to like really check in with yourself and be yeah. like, what, what's going on here? Because when you're really in flow, mm. it's, it's a shade off for mania. 
it's like you can feel super high and super charged, but you also recognize all of these other behaviors that you're exhibiting that are holistically healthy. And your relationship mm. should show signs of that. Your body should show signs of that. Like everything should kind of like coalesce into a unified, stable mm. elevation as opposed to just no regard for anything, but you just feel up, right? That's a, you, <laughs> then you will come down. And that's where people usually get into kind of the, the not so fun part of, of that diagnosis. Yeah, right. It's the it's the Joseph Campbell quote, the uh the psychotic drowns in the waters the mystic swims in with exactly. the light. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I feel you. And uh I love it's an interesting distinction that you're making between flow and mania. Uh because like I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask was like there's kind of a, you know, a hypomania that's not full on you know, risk taking and for me, like paranoia that comes with yeah, it and yeah. all, all sorts of uh, things that get in the way of vibing with consensus reality. Exactly. To the that I remember to like change my oil in my car and stuff like that. Uh, but there is like a hypomanic state that I sometimes get in, you know, sometimes just with too much caffeine or something. And, uh, and that actually feels like a place from which the like the imaginal techniques um work better it it seems like i'm i'm more attuned to synchronicity i'm more attuned to manifest absolutely but i love absolutely as well that you have uh provided such a careful answer you know <laughs> the like the uh the responsible thing to do is definitely to um to be checking in with yourself constantly yeah. and, and making sure that like, this isn't an outsized, you know, perception of your flow. Uh, you're, you're actually in touch with the systems of feedback around you. That's your life. That's what you're creating. So if those are constantly telling you, Hey, are you okay? Is something wrong? You seem off or you're scaring me or this doesn't seem right. Mm. Like, recognize this isn't other people shitting on you or raining on your parade. You have, you believe this on some level because the one mm. thing I've truly learned about any of this imaginal stuff, anything is your reality will be reflecting back to you exactly what you believe. And you can mm. be like, well, I didn't know I was believing that. But if you check in with yourself and really just take mm. stock of where you are, it's not that hard to get a read on how you feel and what you believe. And it's, it's annoying when like, you know, I've gone through probably some of like this past year, past years have been some of the rougher emotional mm. waters that I've had to navigate. And so you really get kind of a picture of like when this stuff is easier to do versus when it's hard. And it's really tricky when you're depressed. It's really yeah. tricky when you're in a dark spot and nothing feels like it's working. And on the converse, like you're saying, when you're in this kind of elevated state, even if it's not completely grounded in consensus reality, it is still easier to kind of get some of those synchronicities and imaginal things to manifest, you know, relatively effectively or quickly. I think the issue that I've run into when I kind of take it too far at times is mm. the sustaining or like locking in of that mindset becomes mm. increasingly more difficult because there, there will be these shadows of doubt. Like when you get paranoid, yeah. Most people can recognize like 
this is not a great mental state to be in. <laughs> it's not like a fun place. And I no. certainly had mania with paranoia, um, at least for you know a, a few months of my life. And mm -hmm. you can tell, like when you think maybe that white van has been there a little too long, and maybe these people will be in your shower because they snuck in to like because you cracked some code of the universe, and now they want to <laughs> stop you before you change some fun. Like you know, it's like all right, maybe now. <laughs> This is not the healthiest of mindset. Maybe I am beginning to doubt kind of where I'm coming from or approaching reality with. But yeah, as long as you're checking in with yourself and also just to be like permissive and like forgiving of like if you do stray a little mm. whatever way off your particular path or like emotional stable grounds. Um, because it's easy to beat yourself up if like shit isn't going great or you feel maybe like you've taken something too far, you know. So I, I try to just like be as gentle as possible, but also try yeah. to keep it real with myself too, because I, I don't want a reality that's constantly reflecting back shittiness. It's <laughs> I, I've played that game. I, I'm sure yeah. I will play it again, but like it's not it, the alternative is much better. Trust me. <laughs> like it's, you know, yeah. when things are. But it's not, everything is temporary too. I, I don't fully believe we get to this state in maybe at some point in life. But I mean, a lot of it is just navigating the ups and downs and learning mm. what approach to bring to each to, you know, create peace of mind and, and, and relieve suffering as reliably as possible. So, um, I try to remind myself that like, if things are going really great and I'm in an uber state of flow, that they might that might not last for the rest of my life. You know, it may not be something that's locked in. And from now on, I'm the type of person who's constantly in flow yeah. because it's not been my experience. And I don't think it's the experience of most people, right. whoever they are. So to try to like make it that is where I think sometimes the the dissonance and distortions come from because you feel mm. like, at least for me, especially since I've spoken so much about manifestation. If I get into a phase where it's just like harder, it's just not working the way that I am used to it working or when I know I'm in super flow, I can start to just feel like, you know, a complete imposter. And you can't mm. buy into that mindset because no one is really doing that. Like the, the people yeah. who are doing that, trust me, like they're probably not talking to us. They're, they, they may not even be aware that they're doing it. So yeah. um, I just, I, I try to be permissive in terms of like failure, quote unquote, and remind myself right. that as long as your overall outlook is aligned with some greater vision or better, mm -hmm. not better, but like more authentic version of yourself, that will inevitably play out. You might have to go through yeah. some muck and shit to get there, but um, it, it does inevitably play out no matter what. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's Chogim Trungpa, I think, who, who said, uh, when you're, when things are going well, don't relax. And when things start to not go well, don't panic. It, and I've done uh, both. I've done both. <laughs> yeah. It's really easy. It's, it, I think, you it's know, the, quote. um, the high energy, like positive state, that's really conducive to manifestation or, or reality selecting or whatever you want to call it is also, um, you know, it's like milk left out on the counter too long sometimes and it just kind of sours and you, it seems like anxiety is still that like high energy and like hyper creativity for me at least. Uh, but instead of being like creative and connecting the dots on things that are bringing me excitement and joy, I'm connecting the dots on things that are 
bringing me more pain. There, I'm I'm receiving messages from the universe or whatever, uh, which I love also that. Um, you know, the universe reflecting, it's not so much that I'm receiving messages as I'm receiving messages that I'm projecting. Exactly. And I do uh, believe that fundamentally, like it's not, it's not a convenient way of thinking a lot of the times because like you want to look out there and be like, no, this, this person or this situation is objectively fucked. Like I didn't create this, but I, I, I think I've seen enough and felt enough and learned enough to know that's exactly what's going on. Like that's that's <laughs> literally exact. There there is nothing but that, um, and any attempt to kind of externalize that is where we really start running into some some you know murky paths of spirituality or or, or worldviews. Just because mm. you know, then religiosity can come into it. Um, just like unquestioned faith, like things that really aren't um, conducive to actually like living this stuff in an effective way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. A friend of mine uh, on uh, who I met through the podcast was telling me recently that uh, like the metaphor he came up with is that each of us is, which I think is like a pleasant way to resolve the tension of like solipsism that's, that's present in this uh, suggestion that we each individually create our own universe. Right. Like it is true that we live in uh, our own isolated universe. Uh, even, even from like a scientific materialist standpoint, um, I'm not really interacting with you. I'm projecting, you know, some version of you that I have cobbled together through, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, and like I have a private definition for every word in the English language. Um, and you know, the future doesn't exist. It's all my projections of what might happen and, and what I'm worried about and what I'm excited for. And the past doesn't really exist. It's, you know, only exists in my memories and other people who are at the same events are going to have completely different recollections of them. And so we each sort of really do live in our own private universe, but there's a single point, uh, where those everybody's universe intersects. Absolutely. And, and it's the now, right? That's right? It's like it's Ram Dass's be here now. Um, and it's very hard to exist in that moment. And pretty much as soon as you realize that you're in the moment, you've stepped away from it because the realization, oh, I'm here. You've now. separated, you've stepped a step back and then are witnessing the witnessing yeah. of the witnessing. Yeah. It's a it's a really interesting thing. I mean, I just recently like as of like a couple of days ago, really for the first time in my life came to terms with the amount of effort and naturalness in which I am not present. That I am mm. actively, truly looking forward at every moment to the point where I just experience that as living life. Where mm. when I now am reflecting back, it was like a major epiphany and, and my wife pointed it out and she said it a million times before. And I was just like, yeah, sure. I don't know, whatever. But this time <laughs> I was like, holy shit, like this is actually what I'm doing. And I just try to remind myself to move back into that moment now. I mean, this is a very recent thing. We'll see if I can keep it up. But I've noticed in a very short period of time where I was feeling pretty fucking low, pretty not great about a lot of things in my life mm -hmm. where when I stepped actually like into the present experience, I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
everything's actually fucking great. Like whatever problems <laughs> yeah. I thought I was having. And that's a really interesting thing. It's, it's, it's also interesting that my natural tendency, I'm sure a lot of other people's is to almost fight that is to almost naturally <laughs> lean forward into future yeah. projections, which there is a time and place for that. That's how we imagine things. That's how our life unfolds for us. But too much of that, I think, is um, it leads to this kind of. And I personally think mine is from trauma. I think it's just mm. a coping mechanism where I just realized, like, you kind of dissociate if you are always looking ahead at something or reflecting on something in the moment, then quickly going ahead without being now. So it, to the point where it was just my life for I think most of it. But I noticed those times mm. where I was more present, where I was more on the edge of not future planning or thinking ahead or dwelling in the past. Those were the were the flow states and kind of that experience really like maintained or sustained for long enough to kind of like feel in that groove. And that's been pretty revelatory for me. I'm interested to see how long <laughs> I'll ride that wave, but hopefully yeah. for a while. Yeah, it's it's great when the uh, you know, <laughs> um, for example, like the whole aliens thing uh, recently there was this yeah. uh, post on Reddit the the guy like it's it was in the alien subreddit and the guy claims that he you know worked for 10 years studying the biology of aliens and he writes out this long anonymous post so I, you know chances are good that it's like chat gpt generated bullshit <laughs> yeah, but that's true. Uh, but it's fun to uh it's fun to engage with in like a playful way regardless and uh one of the concepts that he mentioned i think is like a a fun like in terms of the aliens religion, he he talks about the soul field. And I think that it's like a fun way to tie together a bunch of new age concepts that don't quite go together. Um, like there's, there's maybe some tension between the idea of ascension and everything being a simulation. Like, mm. are they, are they selling off the simulators? Mm. Why are we all graduating from this uh, dimension? Mm. But uh, the idea of a soul field and this sounds super woo and wackadoo, I know, but it, you know, it's it's fun to think about. The idea of a soul field is that, uh, like the like a field like gravity exists, and it expresses itself through all matter. But if you have like a complicated enough, you know, system like our brains, it expresses itself in a in a more coherent and like interesting way. I guess you could say more complex way. And, uh, and so the idea is that these aliens are here trying to like elevate our soul field pitch. And this, this would be like Jessa Reed's aliens, you know, um, the people who are, you know, entities without bodies that are trying to, uh, give us like a nudge toward, uh, you know, I guess deepening the soul field in this particular quadrant of the universe. Like, we're yeah, I think you could to... think of it like, is the same way of kind of like guardian angels, just these disembodied yeah. energetic bo you know, beings that have a connection to us on some dimensional level, but it's not through our five senses, but nevertheless, there is a present felt thing there, which I think, you know, for a lot of people is undeniable, you know, they, they experience it. So it's their reality. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, uh, the thing that like happened to me recently is that it became my reality. It, for a long time, I, I had heard all of these theories and I'd kind of like, uh, you know, enjoyed them from afar and like, 
been tickled by them. But then just, you know, with the revelations in Congress the other day, you know, and whatever, which like, yeah, maybe we don't always want to trust the government. And OJ also said under oath that he didn't kill his wife or whatever. Oh, clearly, right? He didn't do that. <laughs> Glove didn't fit. He must have quit. <laughs> yeah, I quit. Uh but still, it was it was like a moment of of uh, of like I guess like rapture for me, you know. And yeah, and sometimes things click in a way that they just haven't before, and then you're you're like you've phase shifted or whatever. I I wish this would have clicked to me the first time I heard it, but I just didn't understand. I just thought that was like life for me. I just thought like mm. oh like having the next thing to do is the way life is. But then I started watching by doing that. I'm basically inviting in all of this stuff into my life because I'm future anticipating something, whatever Mm. it is. And what I noticed is like, I'm bringing in stuff that I'm not actually really wanting here. This isn't really exactly what I signed up for. And I know there's a way to augment this and I couldn't figure out why. And like, what am I doing wrong? I really, I I went around in my head over and over and over trying to figure this shit out. And then it really, yeah, it just fucking clicked. It's like, oh, I'm literally fighting the present moment. And the more I can actually just like sit here and, uh, and subjectively and objectively look at my life like I, it, 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 I don't know. It just, it, it, it was a big kind of revelation. I think actually was probably, you know, the low point uh, right after the low point of like maximum pain, suffering, just, I was crushed like in every way. And like, then I just realized I was like, oh, like what I'm actually crushed about here is that I don't have a strategy for coping or living that's effective anymore. And so like I'm being pushed to change and transform mm-hmm. in a way that feels literally like, and I've spoken about this before, would you really appropriate a new state mm. fully, like a new identity almost in a way, what it feels like to the version of you who's about to go through that metamorphosis um, is death. It feels like the agony of dying anyone who's had like a very profound psychedelic trip if you fight Mm. that it's excruciating but when you let go you're like oh it's fine i'm just a new version of what i thought something was going to be but uh, i i don't know like i i guess everyone has their things in life that pushes them to learn something about themselves or Mm. the world at large or something and we all have unique ways of getting there, but I would say that suffering is sometimes a path that one takes to yeah. realize certain realities. You know, yeah. that's weird, but Job, Job kind of is the story of that. I think that's why Jung and a lot of people were interested in that story just from a psychological level or psychoanalytical level, because it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why does God yeah. hate this dude so much? Like, what the <laughs> fuck did he do to him? But obviously, if you look at it from like a, like the Neville Goddardian way, like these characters aren't actual people who a God mm. is like, fuck you, your whole life is shit now. They're <laughs> states of mind and um, personifications of states of mind that we go through as people, mm. as a divine creator of our life. And people absolutely get in the Job state of mind, like mm. a lot. And like, I, yeah. and you know, it's when you're in it because it feels like 
God is punishing you. There's some supernatural being who is destined to make your life hell. And it's not usually, listen, there are people who find themselves in truly hellacious places in life, just like physical location. You could be in Ukraine getting bombed right now. I mean, you could be any number of places where shit is not great. So I don't mean to diminish any actual suffering people may be experiencing, but the psychological suffering that I'm talking about Mm. is something that people I think routinely impose on themselves and don't even realize that they're doing it. And um, I'm guilty as charged there. Like I'll I'll be the first one to raise my hand that I've engaged in that mentality. It's just, um, I guess being able to catch it and understand it or break it apart and then like talk about it is just my process Mm. for like working through it. And that's what I've tried to do, I guess, you know, since I, I realized that that's my internal process and it's been beneficial for me. Right. So like, and I consider myself like (laughs) difficult person for things to be beneficial to like, there's a high (laughs) fucking bar there. So I'm like, listen, if it's passing my bar of like something that I think is like actually helpful for like, living life in a way that feels more fulfilling and profound. Like, I think I can talk about that. I think I'll, I'll, I'll let that one slip. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like a recent realization that I've had, uh, as a result of maybe like meditating more often recently is, uh, when I am, I, I experience this thing sometimes that I call depressive paralysis where I'm just feeling so low that I like can't even move. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of accompanied by like a full body dysphoria. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I know it. <laughs> uh, that scene from Kill Bill where like Uma Thurman is like paralyzed and she's like staring at her foot and she's thinking, wiggle your big toe. Like that's, that used to be like how I got out of it. I would like focus on, you know, just a pinky or a, a toe or whatever. And once I did that, it was kind of like unlocking myself and I could, you know, at least adjust the position I'm laying in in bed yeah. so that my neck isn't cricked or, or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but recently I, I've been, um, you know, like exploring the physical sensations that accompany emotions and stuff. And, uh, so I decided like, you know, I usually, I usually shy away from this dysphoria. I usually like try to push it away. Uh, what happens if I like actually just, you know, look at it and see what it is. And it turned out that it was like the same, like bliss state. It was, there was just like an internal, I don't know, like a homunculus inside me or something that was like shielding its eyes from the horror of experiencing I was gonna the, say like you're a shade off from like a mystical state there dude like Ramana Maharshi like purposely tried to put himself in those states often like you're in you're, you're I mean it's a powerful state of being but yeah it was just like a, a a shade off of like a profound state it's pretty it's pretty good shit man yeah <laughs> well <laughs> like I guess it's kind of gauche to talk about your like your uh, success is meditating it's not though because like people the thing is is that like any state of mind that you're in is a potential pivot point for like a profound realization. Yeah. I I have found epiphanies in very mundane or non auspicious Mm. settings. In fact, those have probably been some of my more profound ones. Um, So like, I think anyone who, when you, when you, when you 
grasp one of those and can relay it, you don't know who else out there is like, oh shit, like maybe that's what I've been in. Like maybe these states are easily kind of modulated or uh, framed in a way that at least gives me a different perspective on something because that's the hard, mm. that's like, that to me is what depression is. It's just being profoundly stuck. Like you, yeah. it's so hard to move from that place at times that it's all consuming. And sometimes what you need is, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could need, but a subtle perspective change in one mm. direction could be the crack in the door that gets you to realize something that just kind of changes it. And I think that's cool. I personally think that's why I go through some of these experiences is to witness that being a potential yeah. helper or I don't want to say cure. It's not a cure, but like some no. tool or thing that's there because you're, I don't want to say you're inevitably going to go through a depressive state. Not everyone is, but you will go through a challenging situation in your life. And it's certainly yeah. applicable there. It doesn't have to be full blown clinical depression. It's just, um, Everyone, I feel like, is looking for some way to kind of, in a, in a, in a healthyish way, I guess, alleviate psychic pain, you know, without mm. turning to numbing or bypassing or pushing away or suppressing, which have all yeah. been popular strategies of my own. Like, I mean, these are things <laughs> I've engaged in. So I feel like if there, if there is accessible ways of just changing your mind, that's like certainly worth speaking about. I mean, I wouldn't, otherwise yeah. I, I, my podcast would be like, <laughs> it would not be that good. It'd be pretty <laughs> shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bringing back from like the very beginning of our conversation, this, this like concept of like polarity uh, and you know, I'm, I identify as bipolar uh, the polarity between mania and depression. It, the, the spectrum that I think those things exist on is energy. And For sure. so like the paralysis of, of depression is a result of being so low on energy that you can't even like fuel your body anymore. And uh, like slightly, you know, a shade less depressed, I might be so low on energy that I, you know, can't get in the shower or uh, a shade less. Maybe I I'm having trouble focusing at work or whatever. Sure. Uh, and that, that, shading system i think works all the way up to uh mania and so this like there's these little opportunities at each shade to give yourself like to invest a little energy right and then if you're getting returns back that are more significant than the returns that you than the investment you're you're making like that's the that's the way to climb out, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about in these um, these like perspective shifts that that are possible, and the um, you know in particular re I guess I want to say like metabolizing your horror, you know, your trauma and the the terrible things that you're going through is like whether you're doing it in therapy or, you know, just introspection or with psychedelics or whatever, you're, you're going somewhere and you're putting some energy in and the energy that you get out is, it comes in the form of a lesson. Right. Hmm. And then, uh, that, that like, 
that realization allows you to sort of climb the ladder back out of the the depressive place. Yeah, it's like a karmic energy bank in a lot of ways. Like that's probably what's going on there. And like, you know, if you think of a bank account, like that is kind of how this stuff tends to work. I think what I've tried to do at various points in my life, if I feel like I'm in a skilled enough or high enough state is to try to circumvent that bank account and try to in the same way that we look at our bank accounts now like as kind of real. But then if you kind of get to that point, you're like, this shit is totally made up. (laughs) Karma also works like that. It's just a tricky energy to be playing with and you're Mm -hmm. less you're really confident that you understand where outside the realms karma does not exist. Um but yeah, I mean I think for for most of human life, that's exactly what we're doing. And the realization of that can hopefully make you better at creating balances. Um, And then more importantly, it's like when you go through these difficult times where maybe say your karmic energy balance is low or your actual bank account balance is low. It's like, (laughs) how do you frame that within the context of your life? Is this now a permanent state that you are Mm -hmm. in for the end of until the end of your existence here? Or is this a temporary state that may even contain some lesson or some truth or some experience that gives you a better view of what life is or your mind is Mm. or what reality is? And you can kind of feel it coming sometimes before it comes, which gets very frustrating. But I, 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 at least for a month or two, have known like, there's a there's a light here. I couldn't even necessarily mm. see the light, but I was like in a, right around the con- corner. Like I, I know this thing is something I come out of in, in a profound way. Um, whereas before that was like, a, I couldn't even get to that point. It was just like a distant thought. But the more you kind of just like nudge yourself toward that and whatever tools, goal, whatever you've come up with in life, um, you'll you'll usually find that there that light is there and there is some juice it's the classic cambellian monomyth like you do like people when we think of the monomyth like we think of all the fun of going and fighting dragons in the underworld and bringing back <laughs> treasure but in reality what it's like is that you're confronting your shadow self and uh it's typically not a pleasant experience for most people because the society mm. and culture we live in does not um in any way really honor or acknowledge shadow self as a thing because it's just not correct or it's not pc it's not it doesn't fit into the the realms that's why we use media and art to express a lot of that stuff Mm. we're not explicit about it but you know it is it's a difficult journey those dragons aren't just like some beast you slay like your fucking link in zelda it's like (laughs) you actually have to deal with inner dark energy and that can manifest in any number of ways and it's a challenge. And some people just get crushed by it ultimately too, depending on how deep you're going, how much treasure you want there metaphorically, um, it can become very difficult. I guess I've tried to just always frame it for myself. Like if I get to these places, it's like a really hard level in a video game that I know I can (laughs) beat at some point. You're going to have to grind and grind and grind like it's an RPG and over and over and fight the same fucking monsters over and over and over again. Eventually... I get to the point where I can level up and be like, all right, done on to the next excruciating <laughs> nightmare level. But you know what I mean? Like it's usually not a nightmare level back to back. They give you a little break. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you climb your way out for for at least a breath of air. A a a, a, a bath of sunshine for yeah. for just a moment. Totally. Yeah. So 
I guess uh, we're we're coming up close on an hour. Do we want to? Uh, do we want to maybe like return to the lovers? Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, let's 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 think about uh, kind of what were the what were the qualities of the conversation that like the lovers, I guess, manifested through. You know, I like we definitely we talked a lot about balance. We talked a lot about, um, I guess, I don't know. What, well, I would say the lovers here, like again, what I was alluding to in the beginning when I mentioned kind of the energies of the lovers. It's like when those are balanced, that's when you get these epiphanies. That's when you get these breakthroughs. Breakthroughs. Mm. That's when you get these synchronicities. That's when you get these profound paradigming changing perspectives that actually make sense to you that isn't something you just hear and then run with that for a little bit until you get tired of it and like it's actually fundamentally changes you in some way i mean people speak of psychedelic experiences like this because it's so many different perspective changes at yeah. once it's like you can't not remember that even if it doesn't leave you with a solid maybe trajectory i always used to describe acid like back in my early days of using it for my friends you know i was like 15 16 i was like listen your life is going like this you know you're going whichever which way all mm. lsd is doing in my experience is you're going to get a whole lot of different perspectives and you're just going to go bing, and you're just going to be yeah. right in a little slightly different place than maybe you would have been if you didn't take it um but in that way it alters you forever because people were afraid like am i going to be different forever i take it seven times i'm going to go insane and like now it's obviously like <laughs> people don't think of like that but um that's one way of doing it, but that way comes in all formats. It's not something that's mm. just relegated to the psychedelic realm or the meditative realm classically. This stuff we get to in our own unique ways, it's just you almost need a realization to kind of recognize that or appreciate it fully. And mm. that to me is like what the lover's energy is. And also quite literally, like in my case, at least in this revelation it came through my wife right like like this is literally yes. a partner in my life and she was like you're not able to be present i've known this for a long time I'm like what are you yeah. like the first 10 times she said this to me i'm literally like i i mean i'm very present like look at my life i'm so present and then i just realized <laughs> oh i don't think i've really ever been present probably since i was like a little kid because mm. this is just a very effective way of dealing with life like it's a strategy that i ran that i was like oh this is life but i've been out of that enough to know that like oh this isn't all life is it's not just always looking ahead at the next thing or always looking behind mm. and really never just like sitting and being like this is what's going on oh this is pretty great um you know, that, that was, like I said, it was a big realization for me that seems so simple and so innocuous, but, um, it was for me at least um, immediately profound. And I do believe that has to do with like, I couldn't hear that until I was in a state that was receptive to it. I had to like mm. pattern my energy to accept that wisdom or information in yeah. the correct way to fully, like fully get it. Um, and realize it's not also just like a one-off thing. It's not just like, oh, I got that realization, boom, I'm done. But like actually like now implementing that realization into my life is like kind of the stage I would say that I'm on uh, now. And I get the value of it. It also makes the darkness aspects of it make a lot more sense mm -hmm. because I don't know how I would have gotten to that place without those things. 
I think I just could have been telling myself everything was amazing forever and just constantly never be in the now and experience some <laughs> simulated version of like a great life. And I, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it's interesting when things click. It's yeah. It's well, it's so, it's so tricky to know when you're like spending all that time, uh, even, even just like time manifesting, uh, whether, uh, like one of the things I, I, was like desperate to ask you <laughs> is like uh when you are selecting a future um how can you be sure that it is uh like the actual thing that your soul needs for growth and to like kind of matriculate out of the soul school that we're all uh you know here incarnated to do and yeah and not Right. And not, and not like just something that your ego wants or even that your shadow wants. So I would say the only effective strategy I've felt for encountered for dealing with that is to go for meta states of imaginal activity rather than specific outcome based things. Like the state of ecstasy is a better thing to go for than an experience Mm. specifically that you believe would leave you ecstatic. So it's like taking it up a broader level. So you leave more room for like a greater birth of wisdom or whatever you want to call it where like, cause I, and I've, this is also again, come through many, many fuck ups. Like this isn't like I nailed it. I'm like, this is the way it works. Like I fucked up. I've let my ego, I've let all these things completely override any sense of like cosmic lesson or wisdom in it. Mm. Um, so I, I say that from that standpoint, but when you do focus on these broader states, um, that tends to allow more of those experiences come in. Also, you're not like, you're not, we're really good at manifesting and creating stuff because we're always doing it. But we're yeah. we're not always the best at being good with specifics or, and specific outcomes. So trying mm. to let go of that um, helps a lot too. But I mean, I don't want to make it seem like you can't specifically imagine things. Give it a shot. But I always say this when people were like dealing with love stuff. You know, you want this person so bad. You love this person so bad. But yeah. rather than imagining that person being with you, imagine mm. a state of being in a relationship with someone where you felt like that about them. Then you're opening up, trust me, way better experiences than if you just like yeah. are using your senses and your limited like social conscious pickup to determine you're in love with someone. Like, mm. you know, like that's, that's, that's all like, I think the less specific you are, the greater chance you have of appropriating a state that's more aligned with profound or, um, substantive than like a, like an ego grab or trick. And again, I say that yeah. from completely fucking that up many times. <laughs> I, I, but like tying these things together, um, you know, like for, I guess, for example, the like hypomania that I'm sort of. Uh, fixated on on trying to, I guess, fix, you know, a fix in my energy level, right? Like the idea that, um, that I could, you know, manifest for myself a state of, I guess it's a combination of like high energy and joy and connectivity and creativity and, you know, whatever else. Um, so that's great. Like on the surface, you know, my ego self loves that idea. I would, I would love to just constantly be in that like kind of blissy good spot, but 
I mean, the example that I've heard you talk about in a couple places now of like being in hell is also, you know, potentially the thing that teaches you the lesson. And it's like kind of up to you at a certain point. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, like we put ourselves through hell sometimes to realize things. You, you, I do believe you have some like ability to modulate that. I don't think you have to keep doing that. I think that is probably what we would refer to as like enlightenment process or individuation or, you know, leveling up, whatever you want to call it, because you don't necessarily have to put yourself through hell to realize some things, but sometimes Mm. you do. That's just the reality (laughs) of it. It's not like that's also something that doesn't happen. You do. Um, As long as you get the juice from the thing, though, I mean, more power to you, whatever your path is. Like, don't judge it. Don't condemn yourself because you put yourself through hell to realize something profound. I mean, that's a path that people choose and it's just as valid as, you know, coasting along and just realizing everything effortlessly. It seems yeah. pretty good to me, guess, but you know. Yeah, well, oh, one of, second, I got to grab something. One second, one second. Oh yeah, sure. And we're back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I totally fine to uh, jump out there. I think it's actually like we're coming up on a tidy way of like wrapping everything together, I think. One of the things that you said right at the beginning, and I like, I love in particular that you like called out uh, the influence of your wife uh, because it is uh, kind of a masculine and feminine energy balance that uh, creates this, like, this disposition where you're, you know, sometimes you're you're using the masculine, you know, active aspect to select your reality and say like i'm i'm going to manifest these sensations for myself and or i guess like meta manifest or or um you know whatever you want to call it and then sometimes uh i guess the like biological soul suit or whatever it is like takes over and just decides that it wants to manifest a hell realm for a little bit and uh, and then it's like it's time for the femininity to to step in and say like yes this is what it is I'm receptive to it and I'm receptive to the possibility that things might um, clear up or whatever it's it's more of a a yes place you I know, think it's it both I, it I, I think it happens in both directions I think you can just as easily have a masculine realization or imbalance as you can a, a feminine one the feminine aspects. Excuse me, I think are really important because they have to do with creation and destruction. And so that's a necessary part of like navigating what we call reality is it is a constant process of creation and destruction. That's literally what we're doing mm-hmm. to like create yeah. this experience. So that that often, you know, feels like what's coming in and saying yes. But I do think like a lot of times we have these masculine imbalances where we just can't tap into that energy to directionally say this is where we're going which is a masculine principle like i'm saying this you go there it's not in like a patriarchal yeah. or anything else way it's just a, a principle of masculine energy directness yeah. kind of control um and a lot of times we just don't have a hold of that mm-hmm. 